0: Find out more by going to wwwintelligencequaredcom forward slash partnerships.
1: Advertising hasn't always had the best reputation. Whether it's playing on our most primal fears, encouraging needless consumption or perpetuating damaging stereotypes, it can sometimes feel that the ad industry has a lot to answer for. But can advertising's immense power actually be used for good? In this new series, produced by Intelligence Squared in partnership with Havas US, two of Havas's chief creative officers, Myra Nussbaum and Dan Lucy, talk to the people who are harnessing the power of advertising to help people and the planet. In each episode, Dan and Myra will speak to the creatives and marketeers We're using advertising to combat misinformation, racial inequality, gun violence, and other blights on our world. We want to know, could advertising help save us after all? Here's Dan and Myra with more.
2: Welcome to Advertising Will Save Us, the podcast that looks at how the ad industry can move the world forward culturally, socially, environmentally, and creatively. I'm Myra Nesbaum, President and Chief Creative Officer of Havas Chicago. Hi, and I'm
3: Dan Lucy, Chief Creative Officer of Havas New York. And we know advertising hasn't always had the best reputation for doing good in the world. Whether it's playing on our most primal fears, encouraging needless, planet-wrecking consumption, and sometimes perpetuating damaging stereotypes, our industry, um, it, does, it does have a lot to answer for.
2: But let's be optimistic. Things are changing for the better. The ad industry is by no means perfect, but we're seeing some incredible stuff happening, both in terms of specific campaigns and within the industry itself. Things that are making a real difference and going some way to solving some of the world's biggest problems. In this podcast, we're going to hear each week from some of the people driving that change.
3: Right. So every week, we'll be speaking to a different, inspiring business leader, creative, ad tech watchdog, activist, et cetera, to show how advertising as an industry through its power to reach millions of people can however ironic or doubtful you all may be um, save us but first, we do like to atone for our industry sins and start off each episode by acknowledging some of the misgivings advertising has inflicted on the world. So we ask people on social what they find really problematic with the industry and advertising in general, and we always get some great answers, many of which we were not surprised by. Um, I think there's a lot of tension around um, where and how ads like show up on the Internet, and so, so there's a lot of comments regarding that.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people are just annoyed by being followed around by a pair of shoes they put in their cart and didn't purchase. You know, I think these programmatic ads don't necessarily convince us of anything, but they check a box on the amount of eyeballs reached. We got a great comment from Alexander Rea. He said, let's talk about how performance and reach has become oftentimes more important than what is performing and who and what you're reaching out with. Uh, reaches masquerading as quality, reaches a great sell for the risk averse, but risk is what people talk about. It's what gets you on the morning shows, penetrates pop culture, gets you more eyeballs, and ironically, reach.
3: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with this Um with this statement from Alexander. The sad truth is that the internet is funded by advertising, whether we like it or not. Google's ad revenue is expected to be like $60 billion in 2022, and that's that's incredible. And even though we love Google, not every site um, needs our ad dollars. And that's exactly what we're here to talk to our guest about Claire Atkin. Uh, she's fantastic and uh, can't wait to get into the interview. But if you have a particular thing you despise about advertising, please tweet us at Havas, hashtag advertising will save us, or email podcastfeedback at Havas, that's H-A-V-A-S.com.
2: Our guest this episode is Claire Atkin. Claire is co-founder of Check My Ads, a nonprofit that is waging war on disinformation. This is kind of complicated, so bear with us. Essentially, you may or may not know this, but brands really can't control where their ads end up. Check My Ads is arguing that advertising technology companies, or ad tech as we call them in the industry, are able to use the complexity of the global ad tech supply chain to push advertiser dollars toward hate and disinformation outlets. Of course, our clients and many advertisers out there don't want to fund this sort of disinformation, but there's not a lot they can do when faced with the little understood, often opaque, Four hundred billion dollar business uh, that ad tech exchange industries are are made up of. So check my ads is out there as a watchdog. They're aiming to expose these dirty tactics used by ad tech companies, and their latest campaign is to defund the biggest voices in election fraud, disinformation, and as a part of that, they've just launched a campaign against Fox News.
3: Hi, Claire. Thanks so much for joining us today, and welcome to Advertising Will Save Us.
2: Hi, thanks so much for having me. We know you have much bigger things to do in the world, like saving our country from a wild pack of bigots. Let's start by maybe having you define what the disinformation economy is for our listeners.
4: Yeah, okay. So right off the bat, I'm here representing Check My Ads. Check My Ads uh, is a ad tech watchdog. So we are the first ad tech watchdog for this economy that some people estimate to be about 400 billion and some people estimate to be about $700 billion. We don't know how big the digital advertising economy is, but we do have a general estimation that the disinformation economy, which is sort of a sub of that, is about $2.6 billion. So when we're talking about the disinformation economy, we're talking about all of the advertising money that is going to fund the disinformation that we see in the world.
2: Those are the disinformation police. Are are you being arrested on our show? Yeah, that's right. Hopefully they don't have your address. Uh, We'll get to that later in in our talk though, because I know you literally are putting yourself at risk for this, so. I think that, you know, I think that we get it. Uh, It's a lot of money. I think that's a shocking amount of money that is going to put out, you know, bad news, misleading articles. Uh, And I think all of our brands, Dan, that we work with would agree they don't want to be part of that. You know,
4: the industry, the whole industry over has said again and again since 2016, basically since Breitbart was blacklisted, they've said, don't sponsor the hate and bigotry that we see on certain websites. We do not want our brands next to places that promote lies or harm in any way, let alone things like the overthrowing of the government. Like this is, we are so Little far things. beyond. Yeah, exactly. Like Check My Ads does not play in the gray area. You know, we're not talking about difference of opinions. We're talking, advertisers have been so crystal clear that we do not want to sponsor extremism. Yeah.
3: $2, 2.6 billion dollars goes to the disinformation account. That is a terrifyingly large number. That is really frightening how well-funded these groups are by ads by accident, it sounds like. So to defund them is sort of like you're like a non-evil genius, I guess, like doing that. <laughs> have you, Claire, have you always been like into saving the world or what were you like as a kid? Like talk to us about what you wanted to do when you grew up and because it's pretty, pretty amazing business.
4: I was a marketer. I just, I like marketing. I like uh, writing and I like uh, helping people solve their problems. And I think that many of us in this industry really find, you know, a surprising amount of of peace in what we do. When, when it's done well, it feels amazing. And the problem is, is that we can't do what we do well when we've spent so much effort putting together the copy of our campaigns, the creative of our campaigns. We've done focus groups for our campaigns. And at the very last minute, we find that this work has, which has taken months and months of teamwork is suddenly being co-opted by these ad exchanges and put next to things that are bad for our communities. It is devastating as a marketer to know that all of this hard work is doing the exact opposite of what you need it to do
2: yeah i think dan and i are both on the creative side of the business and when we started out it was pretty simple it was what we made was on the radio it was on a billboard in a print ad on tv Um, but it's gotten you know obviously the media landscape has gotten so much more complex as the years have gone on and i think even dan and i don't know where that goes i mean we know all about programmatic Ad buys, um, we tell our clients that the, these targeted messages are going to get to the right audience. And we believe that. And most of our media partners are uh, all about transparency. But how can you explain to us a little more about how the, that complex uh, ad buys happen? Like, where does it go wrong? And like you said, we can't police it all ourselves. But why isn't that policing happening?
4: Why is it not happening? I mean, that's really why we exist. Why check my ads even began? We were sitting there in 2019, Nandini and me. Nandini is my co-founder. She had started Sleeping Giants. Sleeping Giants was this campaign that defunded Breitbart by 90% in uh, 2017. They were going to make $8 million from Programmatic that year. They ended up losing 90% of that because advertisers and ad exchanges blocked them. Okay, so why in 2019, three years later, Were there a hundred Breitbarts that were being funded programmatically? How could this have happened when the entire industry had been so clear? Well, that's why we're here today. And the answer we have learned, because we had to really dive deep into how the programmatic system worked, is actually quite simple. You can blame the algorithms for this happening. You can blame real-time bidding. You can blame the complexity of the chain of command and the supply chain, but the fact is, is that... Some of these websites should not even be in the ad exchanges inventory or in their network in the first place. And how do we know that? Because in their supply policies, or they're sometimes called publisher policies, they say things like, we will never work with a website that spreads election disinformation. We will never work with uh, with a website that promotes real-world violence. OK, great then why are you still working with the Gateway Pundit? Why are you still working with Dan Bongino? Why are you still working with Charlie Kirk? Why are you still working with Fox News? Is that
3: your list of the biggest offenders right there?
4: Yeah, there's a there's a few of them. Uh, Our campaign right now is defund the insurrectionists, and it has already successfully lost advertising dollars, millions of advertising dollars from Steve Bannon's Real America's Voice, Glenn Beck's The Blaze. Uh, CharlieKirk.com, Charlie Kirk is the white millennial or white nationalist Mm -hmm. millennial who sent 80 buses to the insurrection. So over and over, ad exchanges have agreed with us that said, oh, yeah, you're right. This this is outside of our publisher policy. Maybe we shouldn't have them in the inventory. And now our campaign is about, well, how is Fox News any different? Why do they get a carte blanche?
2: We're happy to hear uh, the note about Fox News specifically, because I think. Prior to the Sleeping Giants um, and also in the beginning, Check My Ads was a little more focused on the Internet platforms that were outside of the traditional uh, media networks. But I love that you are now um, calling out Fox News because they've hired a lot of those people as their correspondents and have given their hate speech and rhetoric a bigger platform and also uh, a lot of advertising dollars to back that. Now, Does
4: Check My Ads believe that advertisers should stay away from Fox News? No, it's up to advertisers to make that decision. What we're talking about is the default settings of ad exchanges. And I think that's critical to say. We have hundreds of thousands of advertisers who are unwittingly sponsoring the insurrection. That is against the supply policies of the ad exchanges. So why are we letting this happen? We can just address it as a business issue. When did you pivot
2: toward Fox? Or when did you start including them as part of the check my ad, biggest... uh, Biggest offenders.
3: Biggest offenders, that's right.
2: Okay. (laughs) Assholes is what I was gonna say, Dan.
3: (laughs) I don't think this is a family show. (laughs) I don't think kids are listening to this. I think we're On Thursday,
4: June 9th, that's when the January 6th congressional hearings began. And we knew that America would be watching this and we would be thinking, God, I hope that these people are held accountable for what they did. And so what we did
2: is,
4: this is a time when we need to say enough is enough. As advertisers, we do not want to fund election disinformation. We do not want to fund the overthrowing of the government. We know that through Fox News, advertisers sponsored the last insurrection. And we know now that if we do not block Fox now, they will sponsor the next one. Yeah. This is yes. serious. Enough is enough. Yeah. And so we we said if if the congressional hearings are going to be on June 9th, that's when we're going to launch. That's when the regular everyday people can also hold ad exchanges accountable for sending advertisers to the insurrection via Fox News.
3: Yeah. And, and you know, it's incredibly brave to call out such uh, a big organization with so many dedicated followers and people that are really passionate about this. Um, the Check My Ads, do you, do you guys get any um, blowback from that? Do you hear from people online? Do people start protesting your organization?
4: Yes, we get accused of stifling free speech. We get accused of being communist C-words. We have The amount of hate mail we get just racks up every day, and the fact is is that it doesn't matter. What Mm. matters is that someone has to start this conversation. January 6th, the insurrection happened a year and a half ago. Why are advertising dollars still funding Fox News? And let me say, this is not just about dollars. Every time an advertiser is sponsoring this kind of real-world violence, they are giving their brand equity to this disinformation website publishers benefit enormously from the legitimacy that big brands offer propaganda outlets need that legitimacy in order to be respected and understood so what we're dealing with here is the ad tech system is just like it's just like the best possible system for for disinformation outlets for propaganda outlets yeah. and we need to take a stand and yeah we receive blowback but the fact is is that knowing what I know, I can't not say something.
2: It's incredibly inspiring uh, because I think I've sat by for years and said, advertising's ruining the internet. And it's really only been like the last five or six years, right? In the beginning, I think there was a little more regulation. I'm not sure. I'm sure you know exactly what shifted that to this place where every, you know, there's so much clickbait. And um, what's the the term that you use? The... um, the hate, hate bait, which
4: yeah, it's hate I just fate.
2: love. And you watch, you know, there are documentaries talking about um, why the Internet has gone toward this darker place. Um, but it seems like advertisers are sort of saying, go along, keep it kind of keep it going. Um, and do you think this is like sort of the ad tech, like the biggest p- finger to point? or the, the clearest place to to hit them is in the ad tech? I mean, is that I'm assuming that's why you focused on it.
4: Yeah. I mean, I'm a marketer and I know marketers. And the fact is, is that marketers are human and we care a great deal about the state of our communities. We also know that 14500 companies and, and representatives, especially in the comms department, brand marketing, they understand that we are dealing with Undue levels of violence in our society. I'm talking gun violence, the elimination of reproductive rights, the supply chain issues that we are dealing with. Everyone is exhausted. Yeah, exhausted, and we know the source of that exhaustion. So why are we sending ads there?
3: Yeah, it's 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 really interesting, and I've, and I've heard you say, Claire, that we can't automate ourselves to brand safety, and you actually have asked marketers to to have someone, have a human, have a human being manually audit the sites and the places where ads show up. Are any brands doing that? Is that that, that realistic with all these kind of placements scattered over the internet?
4: So when we started Check My Ads, the agency, before we were an institute, before we became a nonprofit, Nandini and I thought, if only advertisers would check their ads. It's why we put our CTA in the title of our company, Check My Ads. And so what we did is we worked with Fortune 500 companies, the the departments of advertising, brand, comms and uh, marketing, and we developed brand safety guidelines because every company is like, well, it's important that we stay away from hate speech and disinformation, but how do we do it without being political? How do we do it without, well, being fair to quote both sides? Okay, great. Reasonable question. What you do is you build a rubric about what is journalistic standards? What is a a sense of reality versus disinformation? And as soon as you have that rubric, it becomes not a political conversation. It's a question of this is in and this is out based on these standards that we apply. Fine. And then we realized over the course of the year that we were operating this business that advertisers did not have the power to even check their ads. Ad exchanges would say things like, oh, sorry, that's not in your contract that you can check your ads at that level. Or uh, why are you asking so many questions? And we realized that actually over the last decade, ad exchanges have wrested control from advertisers, from even the Fortune 500 companies, the people who you would expect to be in charge because they're the clients, it's their money. Do not have the control of their own ad campaigns, and that is why we're focusing on ad exchanges. They're the ones who are making the decisions.
3: That's and that's crazy yeah. to hear, right? Um, and that they're willingly taking part in this, knowing that there might be leaks in their system, and they're making money off it anyway. Are any ad exchanges being called out? Are they? Are, are any like? Are certain ones better than others? Is it, is it industry as a whole, or? You know, you don't have to name names if you're not comfortable, but it, it just seems crazy for them to kind of say, you can't ask questions. You can't check your ads. Uh, I'm sorry. That's not how this works. That's that's that seems kind of bonkers to me.
4: They run the gamut. OK, Google funds 80 percent of the disinformation economy. They also have a policy that says we do not work with publishers that spread election disinformation. Playwire up until January 5th of this year had for the last year, worked with charliekirk.com. They have a publisher policy that says, we will never work with websites that seek to overthrow the government, hmm. literally in their in their supply policy. So everyone is different. We believe that uh, ad exchanges have the responsibility to uphold these policies, to set them, make them clear, and then actually
2: do business by them.
3: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Claire, I just follow up question on that. It almost seems like, It's a national security issue.
2: That's what I was going to say. Yeah. When will Washington step in to help you? Are you already working with someone in the Capitol to sort of help crack down? I mean, clearly the FCC isn't stepping up to the plate. But who have you turned to in D.C.? Anybody giving you any back, Claire? That's
4: such a good question. This is a national security problem. Okay, so propaganda outlets thrive on ads, which give legitimacy, and money, which helps them sustain and grow their operations, and on the personal identifiable information of internet users. Now, when that becomes the American public, this becomes a national security issue. We know that there are bad actors who not only own websites but who own companies within the ad tech supply chain. Wow. And when you are when you own companies on the ad tech supply chain, you are like a bank for ads, money, and data. You're holding it on behalf of websites and distributing it as you see fit, and no one can see inside that business. So what we're talking about here is a propaganda engine, a propaganda bank that opens up, So much opportunity for money laundering and spending it as you will. And this is the best possible industry
2: for someone who wants to do bad work in the media industry. God, that's terrifying. I, uh, yeah, I get it. So there's not, Washington is maybe not able to step in because their own laws have, are sort of protecting these companies.
4: Washington has, is trying. Okay. They enacted the, Corporate Transparency Act at the start of this year, that's a good move to start the transparency of corporate ownership, of beneficial ownership for corporations. We won't be able to see it as people, but the government will be able to see at least who owns what company when they do business in America. Right now, we don't have that, so they're building it. Uh, We also know that national security committees and intelligence services are starting to pay attention to the ad tech supply chain. And I think we are going to see more and more regulation, more and more transparency and accountability initiatives. But the fact is, is that the ad tech world has survived because of obscurity, because it's non-transparent. And I think that means that we all have to pay a lot more attention to this economy. It's 400 or who knows, $700 billion that has been trafficked around the world willy nilly.
2: So so I think yeah you're getting to a point that I mean I think I already knew but <laughs> it is so hard to mobilize millions of people um and get get your message through the crazy cluttered world that we all live in but do you think at this point we need kind of an army of internet police or soldiers going out and and reporting these cases like what what should one of our listeners or what should Dan and I do when if we see one of our clients on you know, show up on Fox News in the evening for Bongino or, or somebody that, Tucker Carlson, which it's hard for me to even say his name out loud, but what, what would you suggest the average person out there do? So the average person should go to checkmyads.org
4: slash Fox and sign up to send emails with us because we are all emailing the ad exchange executives who have been making these decisions on behalf of advertisers. And we are saying, your supply policy says this, why are you doing a completely different thing? And we are putting a pressure campaign on these ad exchange executives who have benefited from enormous obscurity and privilege for years. And so that's the first step is if you're a regular listener do that. If you're a marketer or if you work at an agency, the best possible thing to do is put up your hand in the boardroom and say, "I am uncomfortable with our business practices as they stand. We need to evaluate where our advertising campaigns are going and we need to make it clear to the ad exchanges that we give hundreds of millions of dollars to every year that they have to uphold their side of the contract and if they don't we ask for refunds.
3: So what's next for, for for Check My Ads? I mean, you guys are obviously still have a lot of work to do, but um, I was kind of reading that uh, Connected TV is kind of the next frontier for uh, misinformation. Do you guys have any plans to to move into that space?
4: Yeah. The... Most important thing to know is that Check My Ads is here as the ad tech watchdog. So we will be dismantling the disinformation every which way we can and building tools and building transparency initiatives to help understand the relationship between these ad tech vendors and the disinformation publishers that are destroying our democracies and making our communities more and more unsafe. That is what we're here to do. We're starting with this campaign, Defund the Insurrectionists. It's gone extremely well to date. And now we're talking about Fox News. Who knows what is to come? But we know this industry needs a lot more transparency. Yeah. (laughs) Eyes on the eyes on the business.
2: I yeah, I it's um, I grew up wanting to be a journalist I went to journalism school I was trained to believe that we were the watchdog of the public the fourth estate and um, I was actually in my second year of J school and one of my professors was marrying somebody he'd met online this was 19 just to put it in perspective 1996 and he said journalism is going to change in the next five years Dramatically, There's this thing coming around called citizen journalism. Um, so I actually switched and got into advertising. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for that thing. And who knew how right that professor at Mizzou was about how things would change? I, I guess, like, you're like the superhero for democracy in my mind. You are the fourth estate. Check My Ads is kind of filling those shoes of what journalism used to be able to do. Yeah, what, what keeps you going?
4: Hmm. Journalism has been handed a really bad hand by the ad tech world. In our efforts to defund disinformation or to avoid being anywhere close to disinformation, we have instead attacked journalism because it talks about hard and uncomfortable things. We know that the brand safety tech companies in this industry have said, stay away from controversial news. Well, all news is controversial, so what you're talking about here is yet another side of how the ad tech world has changed the face of how we communicate with one another, has changed the face of our media landscape to benefit no one. And it is outrageous that they have gotten away with so much. I, to answer your question, am a pragmatist. I'm a centrist. I'm a regular person who is worried about democracy. I think democracy is not only good for me and my family and my community, but good for corporations. We do not want to do business in an authoritarian landscape. Those kinds of environments, that kind of society is chaotic. It's full of nepotism. It's full of inefficiency. What we have now is not great, but we can improve upon it what what we do not want is an overthrowing of our american society today and as a centrist i am afraid that if we do not say something as an advertising industry that we will regret it when inevitably we let our ads do what they are currently
2: doing
3: yeah that's a great that's a great point i
2: mean preach preach i was just texting yesterday having a good political debate via text. I guess that's what we do now um, with a coworker. And we were both saying, hashtag bring back the center. Um, (laughs) I myself like come from a extremely kind of liberal background on one side, extremely conservative on the other. And I'm like in the middle saying, why can't we all get along? Um, So I hear you. And I've, I've watched as those two sides have just been driven farther and farther apart. And it kills me because at the end of the day, we would all consider ourselves patriotic Americans, um, and it's just sad to see the news rip us apart. And knowing that it's ad tech that's behind it is just so infuriating. Like, I, I mean, it's really enlightening. I think it will be extremely enlightening for people to, as they learn about Check My Ads and that it's ad tech. It's not like it's the sinister force behind it. We really all should be getting along. And united yeah. under sort of our love for this country.
3: And Myra, it's disgusting that people are getting filthy rich off of destroying our country. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what turns turns Gross. my stomach too. It's not only um, is it, it sounds like it's a very lucrative business where you get to hide, where you get to be a, a kind of foreign national trying to kind of disrupt the U.S. kind of free speech, you know, yeah. uh, economy. Um, and then and then you get to rich off it too. And then and then you get to at the end of the day say, uh, don't ask any questions. So Claire, like I have to imagine that a lot of people think that you're inhibiting free speech that people have a right to different opinions that um, the news is inherently more liberal and therefore there's only one side being told and we have to let these other sites kind of tell the other the other half of the story report on the the real stuff i mean i know there's finger pointing um sometimes the right will say the left is fake news sometimes the left will say the right is fake news and and all we're doing is kind of putting all the information out there and it's up for people to decide. Um, What do you say when people kind of come at you with that argument?
4: This is about advertisers having the right to control their campaigns. That's it. Advertisers have been clear about what they want to do with their brand. The people who work in advertising understand the power of decades and decades of consumer trust we have worked our butts off to stay consistent, to stay positive, to stay optimistic about the products that we sell. And so when we have goals for our campaigns, Check My Ads believes that they should be addressed in ways that are pragmatic and sensible, that these goals should be reflected in the ad campaigns themselves. I mean, this is just we're talking about business. If if I was a client and I went to a contractor and I said, do this, and they said, yes, we will absolutely do this, and then they did the exact opposite,
2: I would fire them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Claire, thank you so much uh, for educating Dan and I today about disinformation, but we have to ask you the final question. Will advertising save us from disinformation?
4: I think that's the question we all have to ask ourselves right now. I think we all have to have the courage to say something and to speak up. It could.
3: It could. I like that we have the power to. Yeah. Right? It's up to us. At least it's it's interesting. I mean, advertising funds the internet, so so it actually can.
2: The knowledge is everything. So, Claire, we'll, we'll keep preaching for you, and good luck. Thank you so much for having me.
3: So, there you have it. Claire Atkins' verdict on whether advertising will save us, and what really really shocks me, Myra, is that I just can't believe this isn't like a national security issue, right? All these just different organizations, whether they're from the U.S. Or, or from foreign powers, able to kind of infiltrate our system and and kind of infiltrate people's minds and then use our brand dollars and get rich in the process. It just seems really crazy.
2: I'm personally just really thankful that Claire and her partner Nandini are out there bringing awareness to this crazy flaw in the system. I mean, I don't know about you. I I shudder to think what my clients, how they would react if they knew an ad that we made showed up on a hate speech site or, you know, Stop the Steal campaign and it's funding this sort of disinformation and destruction of our democracy at the end of the day. So we just encourage you all, all of our listeners to get out there and get involved and join this watchdog team so that in the meantime, before government can come in and actually clamp down on this, the people will, you know, help control it a little bit.
3: Okay. Moving on to the last segment before we wrap it up. Um, And we call this segment, the kids are all right. And this is where we bring on someone brand spanking new to the industry and hear how they will change it for the better. So this week, our guest is Stephen McManus. He was an intern with us at Havas New York over the summer, but he was so good, we hired him. Uh, Over to you, Stephen.
5: My name's Stephen. I am 33 years old. I'm in the middle of a big career change. I moved to New York City about 10 years ago. I had no interest in really doing anything except for living out my big gay dreams in a big city. And I found my way working at a yoga studio, actually it was a Buddhist meditation studio. Everybody just wants to be happy, right? And that for me, advertising is always doing that too. It's like, yes, you know, there might be some sell, but really brands exist for people to be happy. A good brand will exist because there's something more meaningful behind them and they've created a product or a service to make people's lives easier, to make people happy, to help this planet. You know, some of the best ads are things that will wake you up. You might be sitting on a subway and not have anything important happening in your mind or anything meaningful. And then all of a sudden you see an advertising and you have a little spark that goes off in your brain. You're like, wow, that was like really insightful. And then all of a sudden you're like, have this wake up moment. And that might domino effect into doing something or being kinder in that day, which eventually dominoes into more and more meaningful work. So if I could help people get happy through advertising, that would be probably the most meaningful work I could do.
2: Thank you for listening. Advertising Will Save Us is an intelligent squared production in partnership with Havas US.
3: The producers are Isabella Soames, Yosula Alaranchola and technical assistance from Mark Roberts. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend, tell that friend to tell that friend and so on. Um, and please, all of you subscribe and leave us a glowing review or at least email us and tell us uh, what you'd rather hear.